Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Truly thine be the glory. Truly, truly. Friends, as we gather to hear God's word read and proclaimed, I hope that you will take the Pew Bible in front of you or the Bible you brought with you or the Bible app on your phone and turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Our text today is verses 1 through 15 in that chapter. Again, that's Matthew 28, 1 through 15. Let us now hear the story of God's love for us. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like whitening, his, like lightning, his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead. Indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee and there you will see him. This is my message for you. And so the women, they left the tomb quickly and with fear and great joy ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers and sisters to go to Galilee and there they will see me. While they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest everything that had happened. And after the priests had assembled with the elders and they devised a plan to give a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, you must say, his disciples came by night and stole him while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And the story is told among the Judeans to this day. Now, my friends, my brothers and sisters, my family in the faith, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Oh, holy God, we gather this morning in the glory and the splendor of the rising sun and of a break in the weather after such doom and gloom the last few days. And just as we celebrate the clearing of the skies and the rising of the sun, we celebrate the stone being rolled away and the resurrection of your son. So as we hear your word read and proclaimed this morning, as we sing our praises to you, offer our thanks and our petitions, may your words echo deeply within our souls. 
May they change our lives that we would leave this time together with each other and most importantly with you. That we would leave here not as mere hearers of your words, but changed as people to be doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So I'm curious, by show of hands, how many of you for this Lenten season gave up sweets, chocolate, or candy? Just raise your hands. It's okay. Some of you could raise your hands higher. Well, let me tell you what, the best thing about today, today is your day. Easter is here. You know what that means? Lent is over. So guess what? This afternoon, you can have all the candy you could ever want. All the peeps, all the chocolate bunnies, all the Cadbury eggs. I don't know why, but you can have those. You can have all the jelly beans. You can eat to your heart's content. You can enjoy the sugar rush right alongside your children. Now, the interesting thing about this is there was a poll done recently said of Americans, they polled 47, they polled a whole bunch of Americans, and 47% of Americans of the adults in the poll said the best thing about Easter was what? The candy. Now, let me let that sink in a minute. 47% of Americans said the best thing about Easter was the candy. Really? Now, I told this downstairs in the 9 o'clock service, and one boy goes, oh, no, it's not. Like, I couldn't have paid him. I could not have paid him. I could not have put that plant there any better. Because, friends, let me tell you, the best thing about Easter is that this is the day that makes Christmas make sense. This is the day that clarifies, that crystallizes and codifies God's love for you and for me and for the entire world. The best thing about Easter, hands down, beyond the bunnies, beyond all the chocolate candy, beyond all that is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the day that we were paroled from sin and death and given new life by the power of the resurrection. So in our text today, what we have is we have Matthew's account of the gospel. And so in the pre-dawn hours before the sun has even come up, the Marys go to the tomb. They go there to mourn because they haven't had the opportunity. It's been the Sabbath. It's been the Passover. They haven't had this opportunity. So on the first day of the week, they go to the tomb to mourn. And that's when the situation changes rapidly, like that. All of a sudden, when you get there, the angel of the Lord appears, and the earth shakes, and the stone is rolled away. And the angel says to them, do not be afraid. Jesus that you're looking for, the one that was crucified, he's not here. Go and tell his disciples that he has been raised from the dead just as he said he would and that he will join them in Galilee. And so in a mix of fear and excitement, they go to tell the disciples and along the way, Jesus appears in front of them. And he says, do not be afraid. Go and tell my followers. Friends, as followers, we know this story. We know it very well. We know what happens. We know that Jesus appears to the 12. We know the glory behind the story. But those three phrases, do not be afraid, 
He is not here. Go and tell. Those three phrases should fill our hearts with the joy of God's love or should fill our hearts and remind us that this Easter story is a very personal story for each and every one of us. For you and for me, it's our story. And as followers, as disciples, the joy of this story should fill and exude every aspect of our lives. And those three statements should deeply impact who we are and what we do with the story. So twice in the text, twice we hear the phrase, the phrase do not be afraid. First the angel of the Lord says it, and then the risen Lord says it. But friends, if we go all the way back to the very beginning of this story, the story of God's love for us. As we start to read through this, we hear that phrase, do not be afraid, over and over again. Some folks say it's in there 365 times. I've not counted. But time and again, those words, do not be afraid, fear not, something to that extent are in this story. But I want to highlight six opportunities where we hear this and see about what it means for us. The first out of Deuteronomy, God is speaking to Joshua as he leads the people. And God says, do not fear, for it is I, the Lord your God, who fights for you. Later in Isaiah, there's a prophecy where God is speaking to the people, says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. And then Luke's gospel that teenage Mary, she's there and an angel Lord appears to her and says, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive a son and his name will be Jesus, the son of the most high. And then some months later there on the Bethlehem plain, the shepherds are keeping watch of their flocks by night. Remember that an angel Lord appears to them and says what? Do not be afraid. We have great news of joy for you and all the world. A Savior has been born unto you in Bethlehem. In John's Gospel, that Savior says to the people, Do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I will not be with you always, but where I go, I will prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will bring you to my side. I will not leave you orphaned. Which brings us to today in Matthew's gospel. Do not be afraid. Four simple words strung together. Do not be afraid. I mean, how many of you remember as a child being scared of the dark or afraid of something and your parents said to you, oh, you have nothing to be afraid of. Don't be afraid. There are no monsters under your bed. There's nothing in your closet. It's just the dark, but you're okay. We're just down the hall. You're safe. You're secure. You're not alone. Or maybe if you went to summer camp or one of those team enrichment environments where, you know, you're supposed to strap into a ropes course and you're some 10 or you feel like you're 70 feet like the rafters of the sanctuary, you're probably only 10 feet in the air. But with perspective, it seems a far way down. And you've got to walk across a beam, maybe this narrow, walk the length of the sanctuary and you think to yourself, there's no way I can do that. I can't let go of this safe spot even though I'm tied in 
Even though I've got a harness around me and a rope and there's somebody on the ground. And what does the adult say? I've got you. Don't be afraid. You can do this. You can take that step. Just have faith. See, the truth is, when we tell children or each other, don't be afraid, what we're telling each other is, I've got you, you can do this. We're trying to instill confidence to chase away the irrational fears that people have to let them know that they are safe and secure, that we've got them. Friends, theologically, that's what's happening in this text. Theologically, the angel of the Lord, theologically, Jesus is telling the women, do not be afraid. You are not alone. You have got more protection than you can ever imagine. But yet every time we look in the Bible, when we hear the phrase, do not be afraid, make no mistake about it. Think about what happens after there. God is about to do something big, something miraculous, something unheard of, something unfathomable. That God is moving in our midst. Think about what Mary heard. Think about the shepherds. Think about these women. God's got us. God is challenging us. When God says, do not be afraid, God is about to do something amazing for us and in our lives. We just need to step out on faith. There should be joy in our hearts when we hear the phrase, do not be afraid, because what we realize is that we are not alone. And if we're never alone, that God is with us. And thanks be to God for that. That's this first lesson of Easter, that all the grotesqueness of Good Friday, all of the death and destruction that we witness, that it doesn't have the final say that God is still with us. But just as the angel settles them down with do not be afraid, he moves quickly as to why. Wants to understand why they shouldn't be afraid. He says that phrase, he is not here, meaning that he is not in the tomb, that the tomb is empty. The unfathomable happened. Now, we know that preachers are known for some really bad jokes. We really like to tell them to each other, and sometimes we share them in congregation. And one of the ones I heard this week was, imagine, if you will, on Friday night of Good Friday when they're sitting around, maybe, you know, down the street at a fire pit or something, and some of, the, of, some of Joseph of Arimathea's friends say, Joseph, you just paid good money for that tomb for yourself, and you gave it away. And Joseph smiles and says, no, nah, I just lent it to him for the weekend. You get it. Nine o'clock didn't get it. But anyway, whatever. But seriously, he's not here. Think about the words there. They came to mourn, and he's not here. God saved the best miracle for last. I mean, it started out with turning water to wine. He was walking on water, healing the sick, feeding 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And yet what happens? The last miracle is the best one. And it happens right in their midst and they couldn't even see it. They couldn't have predicted it, even though Jesus said, I will be raised in three days. The women come to the tomb. It's still all sealed up just like they left it on Friday. They've had guards there to make sure that there were no shenanigans by Pilate's people. And yet the angel of the Lord appears and then there is this great earthquake, and it rolls the stone away, and make no mistake about it, they've been guarding it all night, and yet the tomb is empty. God acts in our midst even when we don't see it. Be not afraid, for God is doing something big. He's not here. The big was the resurrection. That's a proclamation. 
That's a sermon in four words. He is not here. That we are no longer held bondage to sin and death. Death no longer has its sting. And now we know why at Christmas we sing joy to the world. Now we fully understand what the angel of the Lord said to the disciples. For born unto you this day in the city of David is a Savior, Christ the Lord. The women's hearts are so full of joy that when they see Jesus by the side of the road, they grab his feet and they worship him. Why? Because there's joy is filling their hearts. And so that's the same that should happen for us when we hear that. He's not here. Our hearts should overflow with the same kind of joy that we just want to reach out and hold on to him. Which gets us to the third phrase. Go and tell. It's no accident that this phrase is used twice in this package, in this passage. It's no mistake because the first time the women, they're stunned by the angel of the Lord. They're stunned by the miracle and they need to be told what to do. And so the angel says, go and tell the disciples. But the second time when they meet Jesus, they are so overwhelmed, they hold on to him to worship. And Jesus has to remind them, it's great. I'm thankful that you're here, that you're really excited to see me, but you still need to finish the mission. Go and tell my disciples. Friends, at some level, we understand this idea of going and telling the excitement of the best thing that's ever happened to us. I mean, think about year, uh, months ago when we heard about sort of the Taylor Swift ticket fiasco. Some folks stayed online or on the phone for nine or ten hours to hopefully get tickets for a concert. What if you were one of those people and at hour six or seven, you heard... You heard that there was a back door, that there was another number that you could get to, and you dialed it up and you got straight in, or you found a back door online, and you could get your tickets for all of you and your friends. What would you do with this news next? You'd reach in your pocket and you'd put it on Instagram. Make sure that everybody else knew the back door way, because you want everyone to get tickets to see Taylor, right? Or maybe what would happen if you discovered the wonder drug that had no ill side effects, no damage to your body, that would help you get from your suboptimal weight to your optimal weight? You would tell everyone about it. I would hope. Friends, we tell each other about things that enrich and enhance our lives, but this is the one aspect that transforms everything about us. And we've got to do the same thing with it. We've got to tell the whole world we had this transformational experience. We understand that the resurrection has happened for us. The shepherds, when they came to the manger, they left and went and told everyone. No one had to tell them. They were overwhelmed with what they had heard and they went and told the world. Well, now we know the rest of the story. My friends, we've got to do the same thing. That is our calling, to go and to seek out those that are afraid, those that are mired in the ugliness of life, those that are lost, those that are hurting, and tell them of what has happened in Jerusalem. To tell them that the tomb was empty, to tell them what has happened today, that Christ the Lord has risen, that Christ the Lord has risen indeed. And so here's your homework for this afternoon. This afternoon, as you consume all the Easter candy that you desire, I mean, eat it all. Enjoy the sugar rush and enjoy the sugar crash that comes with it. 
But when you do that, there are three things I want you to remember throughout the afternoon and into this week to come. I want you to remember those three phrases. Be not afraid. He's not here. Go and tell the world. See, friends, if we make the joy of Easter evident in our hearts, in our lives, in our words, in our actions, then we're telling the world of what we've experienced in this place and on this day, what really matters most. And it's not the candy. It's the glory of God's love for you and for me and for all the world. So be not afraid. He is risen. Go and tell the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings.